0: Welcome to Historical Fiction Unpacked. I'm your host, Allison Treat. Hello readers. This is episode 13 of season 4. Today I'm going to be speaking with Anne H. Gabhart. But first, I want to tell you how you can support the show. If you're enjoying Historical Fiction Unpacked, please leave a review and a star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. You can also join our Facebook group, Historical Fiction Unpacked Podcast Group. And you can follow us on Instagram at Historical Fiction Unpacked. If you'd like to go above and beyond and support the show on Patreon, you can get some wonderful perks there. Check it out at patreon.com slash Allison Treat. That's A-L-I-S-O-N-T-R-E-A-T. Please note, Allison has only one L. I also want to remind you that if you check out the show notes this week and for last week's episode with Regina Scott... Um, we still have a giveaway going for a few more days. If you're listening to this when it comes out, um, the giveaway ends the end of April. So go check out the giveaway, enter it. It's easy to enter and you don't have to do anything except go to the show notes to get one entry and then you can do a few jump through a few hoops if you want to get extra entries. But this giveaway is to celebrate 10,000 downloads for this show and I'm so grateful to you guys for listening and for um you know sharing it with your friends and being a part of this experience. It's been great for me and I hope you have enjoyed the episodes. So today as I mentioned we're going to speak with Ann H. Gabhart from the publisher Revel here is something about this new book that she has coming out. Bestselling author Ann H. Gabhart has captivated readers with her character-driven and compelling historical novels set in her home state of Kentucky. Now Gabhart weaves another heartwarming tale about trusting God to turn burdens into something beautiful in her newest book When the Meadow Blooms. Anne has such a sweet Southern accent from growing up in Kentucky. I just enjoyed speaking with her so much. So I hope you enjoy this conversation as well. Her book is coming out next week, and I hope this encourages you to check it out. Anne, thank you for joining me on the show again today.
1: I'm so glad to be here. I love talking about books and writing.
0: Yes, so do I. Last year, you came on Historical Fiction Unpacked to talk about your novel, Along a Storied Trail. That was about the pack horse librarians. So today, we'll be talking about your latest book, When the Meadows Bloom, which releases May 3rd. This novel has a very different premise from your previous one. Can you tell me about it? Uh, yeah, that's one thing
1: about my uh, what I'm writing. It, not all my books uh, have the same background type situations. This one is more of a character-driven story. It doesn't have as much uh, background history, although it does have history of tuberculosis at, during the ni- early 1900s. Uh, right. Also, a little history of, of the after World War I mm-hmm. and, and orphanages. So, there is some history stirred in, but it's mostly about the characters and, and their difficulties and how they overcome them
0: yeah can you you give me um like the elevator pitch
1: sure it uh when the Meadow blooms explores the tender places within the human heart and it offers a look at what it means to trust and accept love even in the midst of pain. my uh widower rose meadows she she has been able to keep her and her two daughters going by making hats, but then when she gets tuberculosis. She has to go to a sanitarium, and the girls, since she doesn't have any close rela- relations and her parents have long been gone, she had to take her girls to an orphanage. She thinks it'll be mm-hmm. maybe two months, but then it turns out to be almost two years. And, of course, you can oh imagine how difficult that is for both the mother and the two daughters. When the story yes. starts, Sienna, the youngest daughter, is nine, and Calla is 14. So they're still very young, but they were even younger, of course, when they went to the orphanage. Yes. And then they are rescued by their uncle, who they had never really had a relationship with. Uh, their father died during the uh, uh, flu epidemic in 1918, and, and they've never really known this uncle, but but they Remember that he lives on Meadowland, and that sounds like such a beautiful place to Kala that she writes him a letter and asks if he'll come and let them live at Meadowland with him uh, Mm. instead of in the orphanage. And that's how they get to Meadowland.
0: Right. So what inspired you to write this novel?
1: Well, the inspiration came with the characters in this book. Uh, I kept thinking about these two sisters uh, Kala and Sienna. They didn't have those names when I first started thinking about them. But I thought mm-hmm. about two young girls that had ended up in the orphanage for some reason. And then, of course, I had to find a reason for them to being in the orphanage. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I came up with their mother uh, having tuberculosis and not having any way to to care for them. Uh, right. And then, then then they needed someone to rescue them. So then I came up with Dirk Meadows. To uh, Mm. come and get them, but Dirk has has a lot of problems. He was badly burned in a fire when he was a young man. He has dreadful scars on his face and makes he's become a recluse, not only because of those scars, but also because of emotional scars, because he lost his one true love and has never Mm. really known what happened to her, why she
0: left him. Wow. It really tugs on your heartstrings. Well, I hope This story. So. <laughs> yeah. So, when the, I think in my opening question, I asked, I called it when the meadows bloom, but it's when the meadow blooms, right? Right. <laughs> so I mixed up the S's. Um, <laughs> but it, it takes place shortly after the Great War. Why did you choose that time period?
1: Well, that was when tuberculosis was. Uh, really bad in, in uh, our country. Mm-hmm. It was also yeah. really bad at the end of the 1800s. But but uh, I wanted my uh, mother to be a widow. So, of course, that entailed her husband having to have deceased in some way. Right. So, uh, I decided that that was a good time. It was before, before the Depression. Uh, it, it just gave a little... Uh, time in there where you could concentrate more on the characters instead of history. You know, people thought the Great War was going to end all wars, so yes. they weren't really expecting World War II to come along. But things happen that we don't always expect. But I chose that time because it was sort of a peaceful time in the in America, even though there was the trouble with the tuberculosis. And they did treat a lot of those at sanitariums at that time.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, your female protagonist, Rose Meadows, as you mentioned, contracts tuberculosis. How did it affect her family when she went into the sanitarium or is it sanitarium or sanatorium? I was trying to figure this out before oh, we talked. It's probably a
1: sanatorium. If-
0: well, I don't know because it seemed some people said it was interchangeable, and some people said that one of them was that sanitarium I think is refers to an insane asylum but i'm I'm not sure it seemed like a lot of people use them interchangeably so well but I think we know you're in this case it's, it's sanatorium just
1: sanatorium in in the book and so okay, so we'll say sanatorium
0: and in this case it's um it's a a place for people with tuberculosis to convalesce, right? That's right. It it was the only treatment they knew at that time because they had
1: not discovered at that time that it was actually caused by germs that could be treated with with, uh, medication. They thought that fresh air, good food, and sunshine was the best treatment. Mm. And so even in the cooler weather, they left windows open and and people were outside to get the sunshine and the fresh air uh it was and and some did get well and they did do other other things where they would collapse the lungs and do that kind of treatment oh. too but right. it, uh, it was a deadly disease and uh, one mm. that that was hard to get over that some people spent years and years in these sanatoriums
0: right so how did this affect her family when she went into the sanitarium, well, sanatorium sanatorium <laughs>
1: You can imagine that uh, she had to take her children to to an orphanage, and she really didn't. She had no connection with with her brother-in-law at that time, and and she had no close family. She had had a a friend at church who had taken them under her wing, but that friend had also passed away. So she was sort of at uh, wit's end mm. on what to do. And, yeah, and of course, at the, like I said, she expected to get. Well, faster,
0: you know, not right. realizing
1: how serious and how long it would take her to feel better.
0: And then I'm sure that she had no way to continue earning um, earning money and making her livelihood. She was making hats. Is that what you said? She was eking out a living? Kind of...
1: Yeah, she was a milliner. And, uh, right. you know, she just, with tuberculosis, she just didn't have energy to do do things. Right. She did have a little, uh, from her husband being in the service, she had a p- little pension, but it wasn't enough to to keep the girls and her afloat.
0: Right. So then um, the uncle rescues them and brings all three of them to his meadowland, right? Right. At the opening
1: of the story, I have uh, Rose better, but her doctor says she can't leave unless she has someone that can take care of her. and. Supply housing for her. Oh, uh, at that time, if uh, it was hard to even rent rooms if you had tuberculosis because people were afraid of it, and, and they wouldn't always rent you rooms. Yes, and some people would try to go out west where the sun was brighter and warmer, and some people even had to live in tent cities that had tuberculosis. So mm. she needed somebody to. Some place to go, and and Meadowland was just sort of like the promised land to both her and the girls.
0: Yeah. So, this book is—it's ultimately a story of healing. Can you expand on that and and tell me how that theme comes out in your book? Sure. They all—all all the characters seem to need
1: healing. The Kala and uh, Sienna have had. Bad experiences at the orphanage, especially Sienna. Mm. Uh, Rose, of course, needs healing from from her sickness. Dirk needs healing from the wounds of his past, uh, and he's feeling that that people are are uh, bothered by how he looks. And right, even the young man that Calla uh, eventually meets, uh, Carlton, he also needs healing from some bad experiences. From his life. So uh, it was just a, just seemed everybody needed to to trust uh, the Lord and find healing for the various problems that they had faced.
0: Yes. So does nature play a big part in your book? Is that part of the healing that takes place? It really is. Uh, Sienna
1: is a special little girl that has a special feeling for uh, things of nature that's one reason the orphanage has been so hard for her is that she she has always loved any kind of nature uh even spiders and bugs are or been things that she thinks she can make friends with mm-hmm. so for her being in the orphanage was sort of like being in a dark room without out the ability to to uh Interact with nature the way she did. But when they come to Meadowland, uh, she makes friends with a couple of crows. I once Mm -hmm. read a a story about a girl who uh, left treats for ravens. This has not been that long ago. And they began bringing her all sorts of gifts, uh, shiny rocks and and, uh, plastic toys, whatever, you know, a crow might find. Yeah, in the things, and so that was sort of my inspiration for Sienna, that she would make friends with these crows, and that they would bring her gifts. Then, mm. and when the meadow blooms comes from uh, actually Dirk's past with his uh, young his young love. They were planning to marry when the meadow bloomed, and so it sort of uh, goes from both his past and their their future. Uh, with the girls ready for the meadow to bloom and bring them a little more happiness in their lives,
0: mm, that's neat. And then you mentioned how they need the Lord to heal them. How do you, how do you feel the Lord heals us or gets us through difficult times?
1: Well, Rose never lost her trust, and Kala did not either. Sienna did not either. She's very young, so that was sort of new for her, you know. But Dirk has mm-hmm. lost his. His trust wh- when he was burned in the fire, and then Annalise disappeared from his life. He lost his oh. his trust in the Lord, even though his mother pushed it at him. And when she helped him heal from the burns, she would leave uh, Bible verses on his breakfast plate, leave his Bible open in different places. Mm-hmm. But but he would never. He he was angry with God, as some people are when bad things happen, and yes. Uh, he just sort of hardened his heart. He didn't want to open it up to anybody to be hurt again. He had been hurt so badly that he thought it was better just to withdraw within himself and live on his farm and not let anybody else in anymore. So when the girls, when he rescues the girls, especially Sienna, uh, she pays no attention to his cars. And the first time she sees him, she just immediately hugs him. And so he's having a hard time uh, building the walls to keep these girls out of his heart.
0: Mm, yeah. So you have an interesting backstory. How did this add to the plot of your book?
1: Well, I have a lot of scenes with uh, Dirk and Annalise. Uh, I, Are those like flashback scenes? Is that. They're more or less his memory. He, it's not exactly okay. a flashback, but I guess in his memory, it's a flashback. Uh, in the spring, he always thought of Annalise because that was when uh, she disappeared from his life. And mm. and so then the girls come, and, and uh, Rose comes, and being around them brings more of his past to his mind, too. And and he just sort of uh, remembers these uh, events, but you do flash back in his memory. But the, yes. it's not a time slip book. It's it's okay, definitely right. not that. Annalise lived on the other side of the river. There's a little river. Uh, mm. There's a salt river that goes through our county, and uh, I used that salt river because there are meadows close to it. I mean, wide open fields down down by the river, and uh, that's that's the setting that I used for the farm. And, nice. Uh, her family lived on one side of the river, and his family lived on the other. And there was a, a little feud between the, the fathers of the family. And of course, you know, in feuds, the daughter and the son always seem to get together and <laughs> either have a good a good uh, match or a
0: a tragic one. <laughs> a tragic one. <laughs> right. That does seem to happen. Um so what are the lessons that you hope readers will take away from your novel?
1: I don't really start out uh, thinking about lessons in my novels or even the faith theme that sort of That
0: that's grows good out that of you the, don't start out that way. <laughs> sort
1: of grows out of the story as it goes. Uh, of course in this one uh it Dirk has to has to f- remember how to open his heart. And not yes. shut people out, and uh, he he does that uh, through through several things that that do inc- do use scripture too. That he finds a verse that says something about a stone heart, and he realizes that his heart has been like a stone heart, and that God can change a stone heart into a mm-hmm. loving heart again. I, I just like for people to. Uh, to like my characters, uh to follow their story. And if they can learn something uh about their own feelings, maybe forgiving other people or, or not holding on to the past when it's unhappy, then that
0: that that's a bonus on top. Right. Yeah, that's wonderful. So, what are you working on now? Can you tell us about that?
1: I'm actually working on a book that's going to be a lot different again. Uh, I'm uh, my book is going to be set on a showboat back in the wow. I think it is 1897 uh, when the showboats on the rivers were such a popular thing. It's been great, uh, great, very interesting re- uh, researching about the showboats because. Uh, I didn't know a lot about them. I didn't realize they were that that popular at the time. But showboats uh, would come down the river, and they'd play the, their their uh, music, and people would just stream in from all over the countryside to to go to the show that night. Uh, usually, cost a quarter for the main seat, sometimes ten cents for the balcony. And uh, they liked to perform dramas, and then they also had vaudeville type acts and and singing and, mm. and acrobatics and that sort of thing too. Uh, at that time, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, entertainment uh, venues in the country. Uh, that was before the, you traveled much out of your area. So I have a girl that has sort of a, a tragic past. I, I'm, I'm this tragic is not working here. I'm going to have to get a little happier. But she Aww. she has. Uh, she has a past that that is sort of a mystery, so there's sort of a mystery along in the book, and uh, mm, okay. she finds a new family with with the showboat family after a tragic beginning, t- and then she, uh, of course, has a little romance along the way. But uh, I haven't got it
0: finished yet, so I'm not sure exactly how I it <laughs> <laughs> Right. Well, that's good. Um, I I'm just amazed. That I think last year when we talked, you were on your 35th novel, and so this, um, when the meadow blooms, must be your 36th. That's and
1: probably right. I have to count every once yeah. in a while, <laughs> <laughs>
0: right? So I'm just amazed with how, um, just how different all your novels seem to be. You seem to have a, a lot of variety.
1: I do. When and I then- uh, I went through a I published a book back in 1978 was my first published book, and it was published with Warner Warner Books, and it was a historical romance. Well, I wrote another mm. one and was published, and then I hit sort of a rejection valley. And so I wrote mm. 11 books for young adults that uh, were published by various uh, mainstream publishers, then I right. hit another spell where where what I was writing wasn't exactly what the market wanted, I supposed. Mm. And then I discovered uh Christian fiction. I had never yes. I had seen Christian fiction and considered it, but I never really thought it would be that I would be able to write it properly. I mean I am a Christian, but I didn't think I could I was afraid I I didn't want to be preachy, and so I was afraid that I wouldn't right. be able to bring the story out as I wanted to. But, you know, then mm-hmm. when I did write them, I discovered that I love putting in the faith journey of my characters. And, right. and it has been really easy for me to include that part in my stories. But I was also at the age where I decided that I would just write what I wanted to write and see what happened. Mm. And so... That's why I've got some cozy mysteries and I've got some books about shakers, and I've got the family stories at Rosie Corner and and, in Holly Hill. I got uh, a few of those Appalachian stories. So it's been interesting to be able to uh, move around into different ideas. But most of my stories do have a Kentucky connection, they either have a Kentucky background or Kentucky history. Uh, they also generally are set in small towns or, or small communities. Even the Shaker books could be considered a small town or small community uh, story. Mm-hmm. So, I tell people my books are small, small town stories. So maybe that that can be my my category.
0: <laughs> yes, and are they all historical or? Are there some contemporary among them? The
1: uh, Hidden Springs Mysteries are contemporary stories. Okay, uh, all the others are are historical. Uh, some, the Rosie Corner books are in the uh, Depression era, the Great Depression era, and World War II. Uh, the right. Shaker books are all earlier in the eighteen hundreds, most before the Civil War. I have one yes. that's after the Civil War. Uh, Then my Appalachian stories have mostly been in the 1900s, the early, like 1930s and 1940s. Right. So I just jump around wherever the history grabs me.
0: Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. So this is a question I ask all my guests, and you answered it last time, but I still like to ask it again and see if your answers changed. How do you think learning about history through story helps us approach life in the present?
1: You know, I think that we sometimes don't look back at history. I mean, we see what's happening now. We think it's the worst ever or the best ever. Uh, Sometimes when we look back in history, we can sometimes see, well, history's repeating itself a little. Uh, Mm -hmm. My book that I wrote... uh, Word spoken true is set in Louisville in 1855, and in it, there's a lot of election uh, problems. People are are disagreeing about so many things at the time, and there were election riots mm. and people trying to keep other people from voting. And so, you know, wow. sometimes we need to look back at history to be able to see. Well, you know, we didn't do that right then. Maybe things we we need to rethink the way we do this or that or or the way we look at this or that. I think it gives right. us a perspective on on life on our own lives and on the lives of of our family that came before us.
0: Yes, that's very true, yeah. um well, Anne, this has been a wonderful conversation. What is the best way for listeners to follow you? Well, I
1: have a website, nhgabhart.com. On it, mm-hmm. you can find links to uh, BookBub. You can find links to my Facebook page, uh, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, right. I do a lot of my uh, conversations with readers on uh, on Facebook and Instagram some, but mostly on my Facebook page. We have a lot of fun on it. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, I have a, news- a newsletter that goes out maybe six times a, a year, and in it I always have a giveaway, a prize of some sort that readers can, can uh, throw their name in my drawing hat to try. I post on my blog, uh, One Writer's Journal, twice a week and uh, have periodic giftaways on it. In fact, I'm having a gift away right now, but... Uh, Oh, great. I, I do those pretty often, and usually a lot of times I'll let the readers play a game to do it. Right now we're doing a a caption uh, giveaway. In other words, I put a picture, they tell me a caption, and, and we just have fun with those kind of games. Usually when I publish a right. book, I do a mystery photo game, and that's been a lot of fun for people. I'll take a picture and then try to... Uh, make it really small so they can't guess what it is, and sometimes I do, and sometimes they guess them all. So it's uh, oh. it's just a fun thing that we do. I enjoy the uh,
0: yeah.
1: I enjoy the conversations on on my blog, and you can access that from my website as well. So I have, I love talking with readers. Enjoy uh, enjoy all their contacts when they decide to contact me.
0: Yes, do you know? Um- this will be releasing right before your book comes out, so will there be a giveaway going on at that time? I definitely will send out a newsletter before, right at that time, or
1: maybe the week before my book comes out. But there'll be a newsletter that goes out that will give people a chance to win win a copy of the book for sure.
0: Okay. I was just curious, so we could let let listeners know what they can be expecting if they can find a giveaway they, uh, at that time.
1: One thing I tell people though that uh, the newsletter usually the odds are a little little higher to to win in those, but mm-hmm. if they want to check out my blog it's, or other blogs that I might appear on, uh, the right. uh, odds are usually better for winning that book.
0: <laughs> ah. Okay, well, thank you so much for being with us today, Anne. This was wonderful.
1: Well, I always enjoy it. Thank you so much for having me, Allison.
0: Well, friends, wasn't Anne just wonderful? If you want to find links to Anne's books, as well as other interesting things about this show and links to um, my website and my Facebook, etc., go to the show notes at com slash blog. That's A L I S O N T R E A T dot com slash BLOG. Many listening platforms also have the show notes right in them, so you can always check there first if you're listening to this on your phone, and you may be able to get to the links from that. And don't forget to enter the giveaway. I want to give my new the new edition of my book, One Traveler, as well as any book that has been featured on this podcast to one of you, one of my listeners. So you can also find the giveaway in the show notes and enter there. Well, my friends, I always leave you with a quote, and I think it's really interesting. Last week's episode was also about nature, that one with Regina Scott, and then this one with Anne H. Gabhart has to do with the healing power of nature. So I want to share a quote with you today from John Burroughs. He said, I go to nature to be soothed, healed, and have my senses put in order. So my friends, keep reading historical fiction and keep going to nature and the Lord for healing. And I will talk to you again next week.